Welcome to That's Darn Good. I'm Janelle Ball, and I'm excited to bring you thought-provoking conversations about biologics, specialty medications, treatments, and so much more. I'll be chatting with some amazing guests about access, affordability, and advocacy. You're really going to enjoy this show. This episode is sponsored by BC Educators. BC Educators offers in-office training and virtual bio coordinators to create a single point of contact for everything from prior authorizations to prescription acquisition and patient follow-up. To ensure your patients have the access to the medications they need, hire the right team to simplify your dermatology office processes. Visit bceducators.com. That's B-C-E-D-U-C-A-T-O-R-S.com. Patient access is our priority. Thank you, Shaylee, for joining me. Shaylee is a co-founder of the Biologic Coordinators of Dermatology, a speaker and a consultant for multiple pharmaceutical companies. You've been a biologic coordinator for how long? Well, in March, it was 20 years, so a long time. That's amazing. Yeah, it's crazy. I can't believe it's been this long. I feel like time flies for sure. Yeah, it does. It really does. So have you ever worked in any other specialties? How long have you been in Derm? So I've only ever been in Durham. I went to school to become a medical assistant and then I got placed off the next internship and I've just been kind of riding this wave ever since. Okay. And so you didn't automatically jump into the role of a biologic coordinator, right? So I, it's really weird. I, someone asked me this actually yesterday too. She was like, tell me about your, how this happened. And I'm like, I don't even really know how it happened. I was placed in a phototherapy set, light center, which was like a high volume, one of the largest in the U S and there were three other girls and then the provider. So it was just kind of a thing that we did. Like if you were in the room and an injectable or even an oral medication were prescribed, you just jumped in and followed it until the end. So technically I'm like, I think I've been a biologic coordinator since day one, but that word wasn't really a thing. So I think I've been doing it for my entire derm career. So like 20 years I've been doing biologics. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay. So let's talk about the biologic coordinator role. Cause we've had so much history. <laughs> we've been friends right. for a long time and we do the same thing. And I feel like our passions are so aligned and, you know, just with what we do and patient care and making sure that our patients are able to access the medications. So for those listeners that don't know what a biologic coordinator is, do you want to explain yeah. and funny because There's people so ask me this all the time because they'll see something on Facebook and they'll be like, what do you do? What does that mean? And I right. basically just tell them like, we are like in the dermatology office trying to get coverage for these expensive medications. And we do whatever we can to get coverage, whether it's through their insurance, or if you have to take other avenues and do like a patient assistance, but we follow it from start to finish. And offices that have these coordinators typically can have a faster turnaround time than the ones that don't. So when you don't have somebody in place doing it, that kind of knows the ins and outs and tricks that you need to do, not really tricks, but maybe you don't have to make certain phone calls or you can just kind of skip that part of it and go right to somebody within pharma to help you. But essentially we are making sure patients get the medications that they're prescribed. Right. And you know what, there's so many more details that go into that. I mean, as far as education, 
you know, not only for the office, but also for patients as well. Do you find that you're educating the office more or patients more when it comes to the process of getting their medications? I almost feel like it's 50-50, especially now, you know, I transitioned to a different office in January and I feel like there is a little bit of a lack of education because they didn't have somebody in place to tell them. Sometimes when the office is helping, we're like double doing things. So I've had to explain, like literally just send me a message, leave it there. You don't have to do anything with it. I'll follow it to the end. And then to just telling the patients, you know, I called somebody this morning and tried to explain Humera to her. And she was like, you know, I didn't really realize this was an injection. And I just feel like I'm not comfortable doing it. And long story short, the office could have done a better job of explaining. And then the patient too was like, I was really anxious. I don't know that I was listening well. So maybe they really did explain it, but you have to do like a welcome call and introduce yourself and talk to the patient or go into exam rooms and tell them kind of what's going on and what to expect. And you also have to do that with the office staff. If office staff isn't telling the patient that this is a process, it might take a few days or it could take a week. And if you're going through patient assistance, depending on the company, it might take even longer. If they're not being told that, then you may not even know. Yeah. Absolutely. And it starts all sorts of chaos if the patient doesn't know. And if the provider's office doesn't know too, like they're wondering what's taking so long. So just making sure you have that open line of communication with both sides. Right. And I think it's hard too, because I always try to look at this for myself. If I'm going into a doctor's office and I'm a patient and they're talking about a medication that I'm not familiar with, or, you know, and then on top of that with biologics and especially medications, you have to go through a whole nother process. It's not like you're just running to the grocery store to pick that up. You know, there's a lot more that goes into it. So you always end up leaving feeling overwhelmed, even though you may have some pamphlets and things like that. So I feel like there's definitely a lot more education that goes into it. For me, I feel like I've seen so much education on my end, you know, the office does only so much and you know, they're busy. So they shouldn't be burdened with having to give all the details about the process, right? You know, they're they're rooming patients, you know, and they've got a long list of patients to see throughout the day. And depending on the office, it could be really, really busy. So, you know, we have to do that outreach and really kind of educate the patient and make sure that they are aware. But I think there's only so much that you can do in the office. It's a lot of detailed work that goes into it. So it's really educating the office as far as creating that process first and setting that up so that you can set your patients up for success. So they feel confident and knowing what they're doing, because I feel like a lot of times when they don't, then they leave and not understanding fully what they're getting into or what they're getting ready to start, even though these medications are amazing and they're going to make a change in their quality of life. But, you know, making sure that they have all of the information that they're ready to get started so that they can stay on the medication, because when there's a lack of education, I feel like there's a lack of compliance, you know, and you run into a whole another long list of issues and things like that. But I'm so glad you said that because I think I've been trying to get it across when I go to a program or talk to different offices and when they don't have a biologic coordinator in place, I think there's a disconnect between the office knowing how important it is to have somebody in that role. Like for a long time, we didn't have as many biologics out. So it was like, okay, you can kind of do both. But in the last 
five to 10 years, it's changed where there needs to be somebody dedicated and in that role. It's different than being a medical assistant or being a nurse and going in rooms. Like, I don't want to sound rude, but like a little bit disrespectful to that medical assistant to then assume that they have to take on the responsibility of now following somebody's biologic too, because it entails so much. Mm -hmm. And it's taking away from their daily workload of rooming patients and making sure that they're providing the best care in that way versus having somebody in office or remote, somebody that works for the office that just does biologics. It's so important to have somebody. Yeah. So, you know, you said that you were a speaker and as a speaker, you get to go into so many different offices and you see that dynamic in so many offices, but you also speak for other specialties as well, right? Do you see a lot of the same things in other specialties? So I talk a lot for gastro and room as well. Mm -hmm. And it's always funny because, you know, before you go to a speaker program, I think no matter what specialty it is, you get a little bit of butterflies and you're like, I wonder how I'm going to get my point across so they understand. And then within like seconds of starting, you're like, all right, I'm good. But like, I get that really bad with gastro and room because I'm always like, gosh, they're going to throw something at me that I really don't know because I'm not in that specialty. Mm -hmm. But it's really kind of cool because biologic coordinators at the end of the day, yes, we all have a different process, but we all have the same end goal and we want the patients to get drug and we all kind of do that similar. So like Mm -hmm. our flow is the same in derm as it is in room, you know, they all have those copay cards. They still have accumulators and maximizers. They still have patient assistance. So I always find it really kind of interesting when I go and talk to these offices because we are so similar. Yeah. I like the way you put our process is different, but Mm -hmm. that flow is still the same. You still have to fill out the enrollment form. You still have to, you know, do the prior authorization and, you know, all of that. So it is, it's pretty similar, but you know, everybody's process in their offices are different, whether it's using a specialty pharmacy or cover my meds to get that prior authorization done. I feel like I've started to see a trend of biologic coordinators or that role in a lot of other specialties as well. I've seen a few in rheumatology. I've seen a little bit in allergy and asthma. Um, Yeah. I was going to say, I have spoke for allergy and asthma as well. There's, there's all sorts of one-offs that I've gone and talked to, to be honest. The role is evolving. And I think eventually anybody that is trying to get these specialty medications will eventually have somebody as a biologic coordinator in their office. They should, they, they have to. Yeah. And there's other names for it too. I think, I mean, yeah. what access specialist or prior office yeah. specialist, you know, I, I think the title biologic coordinator, which was what originally coined by mm-hmm. Jansen. <laughs> You're right. Not everything is a biologic now. So, right. right, I get that. It's definitely an important role and it's definitely evolving. I feel like there's so many people that just kind of got thrown into it and there really wasn't any education around or training for that role. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times you'll go to these large offices and they're trying to figure out a process that everybody needs to follow. So like me, I have multiple locations, but different coordinators in each location. And I like that we're all allowed to kind of do things differently. If If you try to follow one same process, 
not everybody is wired that way. We can't all work the same way. And you can always tell within like five to 10 minutes, if somebody's going to make it as a biologic coordinator, it sounds crazy, but like, you know, you can tell, like if you can work Mm -hmm. in chaos, you can, you have to be somewhat organized. You have to have good communication. Like if you can't do that, you're, it's, you're just not cut out for this position. Right. Definitely makes it hard. You've got to be able to multitask for one. Yeah, (laughs) Um, for sure. And you have to have patience because sitting on the phone on hold times with the specialty pharmacy or with the insurance companies, you know, waiting to get those prior authorizations. I mean, it, it can be a struggle. And if you don't have the patience or just ability to kind of, I guess, navigating the process and understanding that, okay, I can multitask while I'm either waiting and then knowing the questions to ask or how to answer the questions, you know, it's not like we're manipulating anything, but it's just having yeah. that knowledge and it takes, right. a while. It, you know, it's not something you can just really read and study and then say, okay, I can handle it now. You know, it's not like that. It really comes from that hands-on experience. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to get in there and work on stuff and figure out a process, figure out your groove to be able to, you know, really kind of come up with your own workflow. But yeah, everybody works differently. I mean, you can be trained, like you could sit with somebody doing the job for so long, but a lot of the things you learn as it happens, like there's so many different one-offs and different insurance carve-outs that you're like, as it happens and you work through it, you know, for next time, like, oh my gosh, is this one of those same situations? But But you wouldn't know about that until you're like in the thick of things and actually like working that process. Yeah. I mean, you know, and it really just comes with experience and you, we've been in it, you know, 20 years. I've been in Durham for 15 years and a biologic coordinator for nine years. So, and I'm still learning, I'm still, you know, listening and finding, you know, different little tips and tricks that I can learn from other people. And, you know, the goal I think, um, and the beauty of, of biologic coordinators are that we are looking for that community. We're looking for others that are doing the same thing that we're doing. And what's funny is, you know, when I first ever went to a conference and it was a healthcare advocate summit and I saw that there were other coordinators and it was just amazing for me to see like, oh my gosh, you do the same thing I do. You have the same that I do. And you get so excited when you hear other people that are doing the same thing and that are, so excited about that because it's a difficult thing. It's a difficult role. And Mm. and that's the same too. You know, when we go speak for companies and we talk about process and how to get access to the medications, you know, they always assume that we're with that company and they don't realize that, no, I I work on the floor too. I, you know, I'm, I'm working with patients. I do the prior authorizations. I do all the same things that you're doing. And, you know, it's just, I'm coming to help you figure out the best way to get it done. And I think that's so valuable, the things that we're able to help teach other bio coordinators or. It is, it's wild. Like you said, when you talk to people and they're like, people are almost shocked. They're, I've had people that are literally like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know that there were other people out there like me. Like, let's sit down, let's talk, tell me about your process. I'm going to tell you about mine, mm-hmm. but like. There are few and far between like great biologic coordinators or just biologic coordinators that kind of have just fallen into this role and really kind of know the ins and outs. And mm-hmm. it's so good that it's growing and that we're able to educate people and to tell them like what we do and why we do it and the benefits of having this job. 
it's been amazing watching it change over the last 20 years and become what it is now. Right. Yeah. Same here. I agree. So what is the number one thing that you feel makes it difficult when it comes to getting access for patients? Um, so I could go a hundred different directions with this, but you have to have patients that are compliant. Mm -hmm. You have to have patients that kind of know what's going on and do their part. You know, you can only handhold and do so much. And of course we want every single patient to start. We want every single patient to thrive and to get better and to be controlled, but you can only do that if the patient is willing to continue to get refills, continue to answer the phone, continue to get onboarded at the beginning, like staying compliant, I think is huge. And a lot of times, you know, we get the brunt of things. Sometimes our providers will say, well, what's taking so long? Why hasn't this patient started? Or what's going on with this? They, they're coming back and they're stating they haven't heard a thing. And, you know, we're documenting that we've called them and they just haven't answered the phone. Or you talked to them at the beginning and explained everything. And now they just haven't called the pharmacy with that information or whatever it may be. But like they have to take a stand as well as a patient and know that this medication is a process and they're part of that process. And if they aren't, then you have a squeaky wheel. Like you have to do it together. You're a team. And it's so important that the patient knows that and is doing that. Right. It's really getting them involved in that process and making sure that they are aware every step of the way, you know, because you talk to a patient and say, okay, we're going to start you on this medication and sign here and here on this enrollment form, and we're going to get the process started. And then it's like, they don't hear anything, you know, for a week or two weeks. And what would you say average time for a lot of offices that you talk to that it takes for patients to get medication? So if all the stars align and everybody does what they're supposed to and their insurance company's great and your authorization goes through great and their copay is great, three to five days. Mm-hmm. But I mean, but it's t- it takes longer than that. I right. always tell them a week, but sometimes, you know, sometimes things just don't happen for two weeks. I think anything more than two weeks, two weeks is a lot. It shouldn't take that long, a lot. But, yeah. but, you, but you don't know, you don't know what's going to happen. And right now, like getting started is not so much an issue because, you know, mm-hmm. we know what we have to do on our end. We know we have to do a prior off. We know we have to do an appeal. We knock those out right away. Those can be done in 48 hours. You do one. If the insurance company comes back the next day and says it is denied, you do the appeal. Appeal, the insurance company comes back the next day, the appeal is denied, then you push them into a bridge program. But that's if everything goes exactly how it's supposed to. And right. sometimes it just takes a little bit longer. But but again, two weeks, mm-hmm. I think is way too long. When these patients are coming in at 30 days and be saying how they didn't start yet, it's like, what the heck happened? I, I, you, I, no one got a hold of me because 30 days is not okay and not should never right. happen. Right. And then you end up, you know, patients come back in and they're frustrated because, you know, things aren't getting done. And I think a lot of times that probably happens in a lot of offices that don't have a biologic coordinator, or maybe they've got a newer coordinator that is just overwhelmed because I feel like a lot of times coordinators are burdened with so much other work in the office because the office doesn't see the value of having one person handling only biologics, you know, and I think they get thrown into, okay, you can also do the biologics, but you're also going to be rooming patients and you're also going to be the office manager and you're also going to be, you know, so many different other roles that they don't have time to focus on things. So then things fall through the cracks and patients don't get medication. And then they start thinking that, two, three, four weeks is normal. And that's not normal. 
No, I took over an office in May. So I have patients right now that I'm kind of cleaning up messes for. And like some people would come in and be angry and be like, what in the world is going on? Like this patient was seen six months ago, or this patient's out since last year or February or whatever it might be. And they still haven't gotten drug. I don't fault the office or the nurses or the staff or anything, because I think well, man, they had a different job to keep up with. And then Mm -hmm. they have these other patients that they're trying to maintain. And now they have this on top of it and they have to remember to follow up on all of this. And then if they're denied or whatever, if they have to work with patient assistance, I don't fault them for any of that because when were they going to do that? When did they have time? They're rooming patients from the moment they step into the office until the moment they punch out. Like, yeah, that's where I feel like you have to have somebody in place. And if it's not a biologic coordinator, maybe it's somebody that is doing it three or four days a week and then has one day on the floor or something, even that's not ideal, but they have have to have dedicated time to these patients where that's all they're doing. That's all they're focusing on is getting them meds. Right. Yeah. Because I mean, that follow-up is what's going to keep your patients on therapy, going to make sure that they're able to get the medication and, you know, make sure that they've got it at a decent price. I mean, I don't know how many times I've seen this happen where a patient got approved for a medication and they were paying too much, you know, with the commercial insurance me, how does that happen? Why are they paying so much money for Mm -hmm. a medication where the manufacturer offers a copay savings card and they could get it at, you know, $5 or $0 or something like that, you Mm -hmm. know, and I see that often, but it's because there's not much follow-up to say, Hey, you know what? You shouldn't be paying that much. Or it's that communication with the patient to make sure that they understand what's going on because we can't expect the patients to know, you know, what to do. This is why I love all of us because we know what this is. Like I was saying, I had this this morning. I called this 20 year old girl and she switched germs and she's going to come to us now. And I just needed to know her specialty pharmacy. And I asked her about copay and she was like, it's $150. And I talked to her about a copay card and she was like, oh, really? And I was like, yes. And she'd never, nobody had ever told her about that before. And I don't know, $150 is a lot. And especially for a 20 year old girl that's going to college and trying to maintain like everyday life and do all of that. Mm -hmm. Like, and even if she wasn't, even if they were 50 years old or 35 years old, $150 for one medication every month is a lot of money. Patients have to be told about that. So it was good. I mean, I felt good being able to tell her, Hey, I'm going to help you save this amount of money every month. She was super excited and called and got a copay card right afterwards. So that's amazing. You know, I, I hear so often biologic coordinators change lives. We do. We understand the manufacturers. We have to learn all that information. We've got to learn the ins and outs of the prior authorization process of getting the medication, but also it's the after support, you know, it's supporting the patients when they're calling in and frustrated or when they have issues. It's not just about the prior authorization. There's so much more to it and there's so much more follow-up, especially pharmacies fall through the cracks all the time. And we got to pick up those pieces because nobody else understands how to do it. Right. The first office I took over for had a gal that was really great in place. And she left on maternity leave and decided she wanted to stay home. And I had some lady call me and I've never met her yet. She just must be getting refills and doing great. But she called me and she was like, Hey, I heard you took over. Do you happen to have the old gal's phone number or her address? And I didn't, but I was like, let me find it for you. And I was like, is everything okay? And she was like, you know, she just helped me at a really bad time in my life. And I just want to send her a gift for her baby. And I want to send her a letter and thank her. And like, we get that all the time because they're at their 
wits end. They're desperate and we're coming in and helping them. And they might've been three, four other Durham offices before us, but now to be, have somebody that can like truly like hold their hand and sympathize with them and get them what they need. I don't know. When that lady called me, I was like so happy for her. And I gave her my number and I was like, anything I can do, you call me. But it was good to hear that she was taken such great care of that she really was doing well. And she attributed it to this gal. And I I really loved that. I love to hear something like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that really just kind of fuels that passion that we have. It fuels what we do every day and it keeps us going because we know that, yes, we're working so hard and we're frustrated a lot of times because we have to deal with insurance denials or, you know, just step therapy and pushback and all of that. But at the end of the day, when we're able to make a difference in somebody's life, that it's why we do what we do. That's why any of us work in healthcare. Right. No, nothing is more satisfying than having a phone call like that, where you like, it's so great to be able to be a part of that and to help somebody get back on their feet and make them feel good again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I am so excited to, to be talking to you and I feel like there's so much we could go on and on and on for hours. Um, Right. There's one thing that you feel like biologic coordinators or anybody doing the PAs in office can do to better help patients. I probably sound silly, but I say this at every talk. If you're remote, make a welcome call, introduce yourself, let them know you're there for them. Give them your phone number. Maybe they never need it. Maybe they never have to call you, but at least they know that somebody is there that they can talk to. If you're in office, take a sec, less than five minutes. If you can step into the exam room, give them your business card. And if you're not there, make sure you have business cards. The staff can give them your business card, remote or in office. Mm -hmm. But so they can put a face with a name or they can hear you on the other end of the phone. So they know that you're working with them to get meds and they're not just on an island doing this alone. And just basically that, letting the patient know that you're there with them and you're going to help them. That's key. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. hundred percent. So, okay. Last question I'm going to ask. You know, you're so good at what you do and passionate about work. What do you do outside of work? So we travel a ton and we love to camp and we just got a fishing boat yesterday. We have a pontoon boat. We we just like to be out with the kids on the water, whether it's kayaking, fishing. We have a pop-up now. We've kind of progressed from when we go places in a tent because we're getting old and our backs are busted. So <laughs> we we like to camp. I have dogs. I have a pool at home. Um, I'm just kind of a homebody. I, I like to yeah. spend time with my kids. They're in sports. I like to go watch them. I hate when I have to miss like a football game. My youngest just signed up for golf. So it's exciting wow. to see him kind of evolve into that. But that's amazing. Yeah, that's so I'm, amazing. Well, yeah. I'm going to have to come out and visit you so we can get out on that boat then. Yeah, you will for <laughs> sure. <laughs> awesome. It was so good to talk to you, Janelle. I always awesome. love catching up. Yes, it's so good to talk to you too. Thanks for spending a few minutes with me and learning about That's Darm Good. You can expect new episodes of That's Darm Good every other week. The podcast is available on your favorite podcasting app, including where you're listening right now. Subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a new episode. Bye.